You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 902 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday, and I know I said yesterday on the podcast, if you were a regular listener, that I was not planning to record again before the game on Wednesday, but I am breaking that non-promise and bringing you some extra content, so hopefully that is appreciated. Before I dive into the news of the day, as well as some audio from Lloyd Pierce and practice, etc., from earlier today, I do want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast. We've already had three episodes this week, uh, two game recap episodes, including last night's show, as well as a visit from Andrew Kelly, good friend of the program for Peachtree Hoops, on Monday. That was a lot of fun, and that's still very relevant right now. So catch up and subscribe, tell a friend, and all of that good stuff. Now, before the rest of the podcast, uh, I actually had this sort of planned out, and then uh, some news hit on Tuesday evening that was the biggest news of the day, pretty clearly for the Hawks, and it was an injury announcement from Atlanta. It came, by the way, after the team already released its official injury report for Wednesday's game, and they had to go back and amend it. But we'll talk about the game later on. But in short, Rajon Rondo will not be playing because the Hawks announced that he will, quote, enter a period of rest and rehabilitation to strengthen his right knee, end quote. He was medically cleared, according to the Hawks, for last night's game against the Knicks, although I talked about on Twitter and on the podcast about how he wasn't in the hole or in warm-ups before the game. He was on the bench and was in uniform, but was clearly never going to play last night. And uh, with this announcement, he's going to miss at least the next three games for Atlanta. He's been ruled out of those three games, uh, two home games and a road game in Charlotte this weekend. And then they'll be reviewing him before the Hawks go on the road on the West Coast trip next week. So, it's been a talking point the entire time, honestly, that the Hawks are taking it very, very easy with Rondo. Lloyd Pierce has chuckled about his age on multiple occasions, sort of referred about uh, how long he played in the bubble, which he did, he did play for a long time as a member of the Lakers, obviously into October, so that isn't a huge surprise. Also, they've said repeatedly that they're going to listen to Rondo in terms of uh, having him tell, him, tell them when, when he's ready to play. He has played in two games. Uh, that's worth pointing out. He actually played well in the first game and you know at least reasonably well in the second game. But re- regardless... It is not a huge surprise to me, and this is something I talked about a lot when they signed him, that he's not going to be the most durable guy or always available. Um, obviously, I would have probably taken the over on two out of the first seven games, and now two out of the first ten. But, you know, it's not a huge surprise that Ron's not going to be the most durable guy in the world. Now, it's still, a, obviously, a notable loss, especially with Gallinari and Chris Dunn currently sidelined. I was not the guy banging the drum in terms of the Rondo signing on the court especially, given the two-year contract was kind of a lot of money to invest in him, etc. Um, and also the fact that the Hawks already had signed Chris Dunn, which is kind of duplicative in some ways. With that said, having Dunn out and Gallinari not there to take up any of the usage on the second unit, offensively, the Hawks do have some wing guys that can carry that with Herter and Bogdanovich, or if you're playing Reddish or Hunter on that unit as well. But Rondo is obviously a different level offensive creator than Brandon Goodwin. That's very clear. Um, you know, I think Rondo is probably a little bit overrated as a player in some circles right now for what he's doing on the court. They love his leadership and all that stuff, but we, we saw already in the two games that he played, he's still an elite passer. He's still a floor general. He knows where he knows where guys have to be. He can run an offense and all that stuff. So it's definitely a loss for the Hawks. And, you know, obviously you're not wanting to rely on Goodwin and a guy like Solomon Hill wasn't going to really help you create on the second unit. So the Hawks are pretty shorthanded at this point in time, without Gallinari and Dunn and Akongwu and Rondo. Uh, Snell obviously would help them as well if they had him right now. So 
they have all these bodies on the injury report, and none of these guys are throwaways. You know, two of the guys that they have healthy are two-way players. I know Nathan Knight played well in his one game that he played, but you can't expect much from Mays and Knight. You have Goodwin, who they obviously did not want to go into the season with as a number two point guard, so they are pretty short-handed at this point in time. On the positive side, the Hawks are really deep coming into the season, so they still have most of their rotation um, at least is solid. Uh, obviously, they're going a little bit deeper than they want to in the front court. We saw them not play Bruno Fernando at all on Monday. That's a point of contention, of course, without a Kongwu and Gallinari available. But on the perimeter, you still have Trey, you still have four good wings, etc. So it's not like a disaster, but the Hawks are very shorthanded. And I think they're one of the teams right now in the entire league that's most been snake-bitten by injuries uh, in the early going. So we'll obviously see when Ronald will, will actually return. I, still would, not, I, count, I would not count on him playing on, on that West Coast trip. As I always say on the podcast, reevaluation or review, that does not mean return. So they'll definitely review him before they go on that trip, but that does not mean he's going to play. So we'll see what happens there with Rondo, but he's out for at least the next three games. So that's about a week or so, at least, that we will not see him on the court and uh, then sort of a reassessment after that. So a kind of a negative news item to drop late on on a Tuesday night, but... There you have it, and uh, for more, we will talk about this, uh, sort of the fallout after the game on Wednesday, etc., as well as when we preview the game later on today. All right, before we dive into some audio from Lloyd Pierce after practice on Tuesday, I wanted to hear from our sponsors, and the first of which is betonline.ag. The regular season is now over in the NFL, but the playoff picture is now in focus, and there'll be a ton of football action in the coming days. With that in mind, there is only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA and all the fantastic matchups on a nightly basis across that league, there's a jam-packed slate of college basketball games happening every single day. And of course, the college football playoff finals are coming very soon with Alabama and Ohio State squaring off. And from there, the wild card round of the NFL playoffs is looming this weekend. Six games on the docket and all kinds of interest. If none of that gets you going, there's a full menu of offerings for BetOnline on any sport you can think of. BetOnline also has a huge menu of player props as well as live wagering, future bets, exotic wagers, and much, much more. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll dive in now to some audio from post-practice on Tuesday. I don't often do this, but I sometimes do want to pass along some uh, you know audio blocks from Lloyd Pierce when he has some interesting insight and uh, when I can gather it in recorded fashion. So good time to do that on this uh, sort of midweek catch-up episode. Um, before I dive into the audio, Pierce did say that Bogdanovich practiced on Tuesday after leaving Monday's game, uh, and later on he was he was announced as being probable on the injury report, which we'll come back to later on. But he did stress, Pierce did, that the Hawks did not actually have full contact today, but still a good sign for Bogdanovich, who's now listed as probable. And as a reminder here, by the way, the Ronald News was, was not available at this point in time. Uh, that did not break until well after Pierce spoke to the media, so no insight there from Lloyd. And even then, the Hawks injury report, again, was announced after Lloyd spoke and had... Rondo totally off the injury report. So something either happened or there was a miscommunication of some sort. But, um, you know, just all that said, we, we did not know that he was out when we talked to Pierce. So keep that in mind throughout this. Uh, last thing in terms of what I'll just pass along to you is that he, uh, Pierce also said that Okongwu and Snell were about to play three on three with the low minute guys as well as the support staff 
on Tuesday. That's a step forward for those guys. Uh, they sort of have flashed out in the, in the past, but they're not quite to five on five yet. So I'm expecting they'll be out for a little bit for a little while longer. You want to have at least some contact, some full five on five scrimmaging style elements before you actually ask Snell or Kongwu to play in an NBA game. Okay. Now, to the audio. The first question you will hear is the voice of Sarah Spencer of the AJC, a guest on this podcast in the recent past. Um, She was asking about the inability to close in the fourth quarters the last two games, which has obviously been a huge topic of conversation uh, in my mentions and all over Twitter, etc. So, here is uh, what Pierce had to say in response to that. And again, you'll hear Sarah at the top. Um, When you look at film from, I guess, last night and and the past two games, um, what stands out to you as far as things that maybe you guys could do to to close games out a little better in the fourth quarter? Um, You know, it's not a it's I think everyone's looking at it the wrong way. It's not a fourth quarter thing. It's it's a it's the approach. We we played probably two of, you know, I think five or six teams in the league that were going to give us that problem on a time where I thought we were filling ourselves. And, you know, Cleveland's scrappy, uh, New York's scrappy and physical and beat you up and crash the glass. And, and so when you look at 50-50 balls and you look at some of the big defensive rebounds, you know, it's great to say, oh, you know, Clint and John are out there and they should be. It, it's not a matter of who, it's a matter of how. And our will to, to go get those 50-50 balls. Uh, there was a play where Randall had four guys, four of our guys around him. He was the only one on the floor. And so it, it's it's not a it, there's a combination of things that can go a lot of different ways, um, but we needed two of those games. We needed two of those teams. Memphis is another team that's like that that they they think they can beat you up and they think they can attack you that way, and, and that's how they're going to impose their will. And that's what Cleveland and New York did. Uh, we thought we had the game in control because we had a 15 point lead with 20 minutes to go. Um, and so it's 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 don't look at the score. It's look at how you're playing. Um, and that's the biggest thing, you know, I can play my starters. If they played 40, 40 minutes and 38 minutes, that ain't the issue. It's, it's how we're playing, how intense we're playing. Are we imposing our will, especially on the defensive end, especially on the multiple effort end? And some of the multiple effort is offense, but those are two teams that, you know, have that, you know, no give up mentality. They're used to being down and they're used to playing that way. And uh, we have to learn how to develop that style of play. Uh, as we get bodies healthy and as we look at not, and I don't want to think that when we get bodies healthy, everything is solved. Uh, we needed to see our lack of effort, our lack of a 50, 50 mentality uh, needs to be better uh, regardless of who we have or who we don't have. And as a follow-up, this is later on in the availability, but Pierce was also asked about what he saw offensively in particular on the last several possessions of Monday's loss to the Knicks. So here's what he had to say in response to that question. Inconsistency in the, the reads. Um, you know, we, we had a couple missed simple plays is what I call them. Um, you know, Trey and Dre were, were kind of our main two guys that we were running in action for, and Dre hits a three on one of them. Trey gets a layup on, on two of them. And we probably had three others where, you know, the ball stuck and we just didn't get the movement and we needed to move their defense. They're a good defensive team because they're physical. Uh, and we let them we let them play in a stationary defensive position. Uh, when we moved them, we were able to be pretty good, and we didn't move them enough, and we didn't make the simple plays. And we've had a couple periods um, over the last really three or four games where we've had that static uh, offensive uh, in mentality, um, you know, where we've come down and we we haven't moved the defense and we've played pick and roll or DHO. 
when we get some movement, we create some separation, we play point five, we're pretty good. And I thought, you know, two games, three games ago, the stretches where Brandon Goodwin was pretty good, it was because he kept the, the, the defense moving. Um, you know, and when we don't, we're, we're, we're not a, we're a different team when we don't move the defense. Trey's got an ability to create his own shot at any point. Uh, but for the most part, we're not that kind of team. We, we have to have movement. We have to create simple plays. We have to create plays for each other. And then at the end of the shot clock, we have a guy that can close for us in trade. So again, I, I, ho- I harped on how bad the offense was in the you know last quarter and a half or so of last night's game, and it certainly was. I think that there were some makeable shots that the Hawks missed, as I, re- as I referenced on yesterday's podcast. The ball movement was not necessarily fantastic for Atlanta, but as you hear there from Pierce, you know, they really only have Trey Young as the primary guy to just create out of nothing. They want to have ball movement. They want to have player movement more often than ball movement. I think it's always, ball movement's very obvious to see, but also just like, you know, cutting and movement off the ball and energy and that kind of stuff at the end of games is important. And the Hawks kind of have been pretty stagnant late and we saw how bad the offense was. And for me anyway, the offense was the problem really that lost in that game, uh, more so than the defense on Monday. Um, Moving to a different topic, a couple of individual questions sort of centered here that Pierce got asked on Tuesday. Chris Kirscher of The Athletic, which you'll hear in a second, uh, asked about DeAndre Hunter's growth as a creator offensively and particularly in the pick and roll. I thought this was a pretty interesting answer from Lloyd. So again, this is a question from Chris Kirchner about DeAndre Hunter. I think, you know, I think his mentality has been just absolutely perfect. Uh, patient, waiting for the screen. Uh, ability to create his own shot. You know, he had one yesterday, both, I think Rondo and I were both telling him, yeah, quickly on him, you know, get to the rim. That's the one you don't shoot the pull up. That's the one you get in the paint and get fouled or get a layup. Uh, but I think his patience level has been great. And I think his ability to find his spots have been, uh, has been pretty good for the most part. You know, if he ever learns how to slow down, probe, keep those guards or, or wings on his hip, that's going to help his passing and facilitating, you know, when a big steps up to him, he doesn't have to shoot the jumper. He's going to have some drop-offs. A lot of his stuff is one speed after he clears the big. And so I think, you know, with time, with opportunity, you know, you guys can tell we're trying to use him some different ways. We've been able to post him a little bit. He's created some fouls because the guards have switched and can't get around him. And he's been able to punish. He had a great big basket over Knox late in the game, just out of a straight post ISO. Um, but, Pick and roll is an area where he's getting better and he has to continue to grow as we as we use him there a little bit more. It's not breaking ground necessarily to say that Hunter's been really good this year, but he obviously has been in a huge step forward with his uh, offensive creation low, which you definitely hear in uh, what Pierce had to say there. The next thing I want to play for you is that you'll hear Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com ask the question, but he follows up on a Brandon Goodwin prompt from Lloyd Pierce, and there's some positive stuff that Pierce has been saying about Goodwin the last couple of games that I've tried to pass along via, you know, just kind of relaying what he said, but here is Lloyd's actual voice uh, with some praise of Brandon. Coach, you mentioned uh, Brandon Goodwin a minute ago. Can you be more specific about what it was that that you liked in terms of him uh, sort of with respect to movement and such? Yeah, you know, one of the things I thought he did starting in that Brooklyn series – uh, after a miss, after, even after a make, he just pushed the ball up the floor quick. And so when you can get your defense backpedaling, um, you get into your offense. It almost it almost makes your offense start with pace. You know, if you're always like, just think if you're always taking the ball out after a make and the guy is walking it up, you're starting pretty static. And so I thought his job of, of pushing the ball up, even when we reversed it, we had pace to it. 
when he got it back, he was using his shot fake to get defenders in the air. And now as he's driving with the defender in the air, someone has to help. And, and you know, then it's just decision-making. Are we making simple plays? Are we making the right play? He had a big basket in Cleveland over, over uh, JaVale McGee where he shot a floater. But for the most part, he was able to create a couple corner threes. And so when that dies, you know, same that same mentality died in the Cleveland game where we, we got stuck on a play, didn't have great organization, didn't have great movement, and uh, really came up with about three or four empty possessions. And so just him initiating with pace creates some pace in the half court in our offensive sets. And, I, and I'm with Pierce here, I think, in general, with Goodwin. I think that, obviously, he is not the creator that Rondo is, or he, obviously, of course, that he's not the creator that Trey Young is. And I was vocal in saying that the Hawks should sign someone above him at point guard, which they did in Rondo. But this is why you have a third point guard and to step up in this role. And I think Goodwin's been fine for the most part. And I think he's done some positive things. So you hear that from Pierce, who's uh, has been very positive about Goodwin's contributions. Uh, I think he's pretty much taking a little bit too too much heat right now, Goodwin has. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I don't, I don't think that Goodwin's been a, a pretty a big liability or anything like that on the second unit. So I wanted to pass that along. And the last thing that I wanted to play for you in this section as I, I clip part of an answer that Pierce is giving, and this is about Trey Young's defense this season, and uh, this is some pretty positive chatter about Trey's positioning and the way that he's been able to, to attack the defensive end of the floor so far. But at any point, Trey can he be a guy that's involved in the pick and rolls and on, on the ball for a tremendous amount of time, or he can be off the basketball. And so when he's on the ball, he's got to be engaged. He's got to know he's guarding. He's got a guy that can get going from the three off the dribbles, using screens. He's got to fight over. When he's off the basketball, um, you know, he's always got to be a guy that can help as a weak side defender. I think he's been been pretty good as a position guy. I think you're always worried about a guy of his stature as a, as a position guy trying to keep some of their big guys off the glass and, and being a little physical. Uh, he's got a low number of foul attempts, so we're going to need him to use those appropriately if he gets caught in a bad way. But I think his positioning has been great. I think he's been, uh, he's been a stunt guy. He's been a help guy. Um, he's trying to get out and recover and contest. We want to, we want all our guys to carry their hand a, a bit more. I think we've done a good job contesting threes, contesting perimeters and doing it without fouling. I think we're up in the top of the league right now and we still want more, but I think positioning, he's off to a good start. Uh, we just got to get them, all of our guys to be more physical uh, as weak side defenders, especially in action when, when things are going to the paint, we gotta, we gotta protect some of our other guys. And there you have it. I think that, you know, I don't want to overstate it. I think Trey still had some moments where he's not been very good, but I think defensively he has been better. Effort-wise, has been better positioning, as Lloyd talks about there. Uh, so I, I would echo that, and I think, you know, it's it's little things. Uh, he has improved, and that is, that's notable for someone who needed to improve. So there you go on that. All right, that'll do it for audio for this section. There's one more clip I will play for you momentarily. But before we get to a look ahead to the Wednesday game and some other things a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Built Bar. I've been telling you for a long time that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is still very much the case, but also the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The original flavors are fantastic and they continue to be so, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and, a, and of course my personal favorite, in cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew, which is also very important to point out. And from there, I should remind you that Built Bar is also fantastic. For those of us trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low calorie, high protein, low sugar, and high fiber. 
And Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet with all the nutrients you need. And again, a taste that puts other competitors in the space to absolute shame. In order to check it all out, BuiltBar.com is the place to go. Yes, it's BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON when you get there. When you visit BuiltBar.com and use that promo code, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com and try Built Bar today. All right, before we close up shop, on this podcast by previewing the game on Wednesday. There was a piece from Sam Amick of The Athletic who interviewed Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, that published today on Tuesday. Uh, the interview actually took place about a week ago, according to The Athletic, but it was published today. It's behind a paywall. I'm not going to go through the entire thing, but he was asked about how he's feeling about coming off of the bench and his role and all that stuff. First, about the role, Bogdanovich said, and I quote, I feel fine about it. End quote. There was more in there about that. He also referenced uh, being put in situations to succeed on the second unit, how easy it is to play with Trey Young offensively, etc. Um, Amick also asked a follow-up question about not starting specifically, and I will read part of that to you. He says, and I quote, Look, honestly, of course everyone likes to start. End quote. He talks about how it's a coach's decision and how he's not going to be the type of guy that says, quote, Look, I need to start. End quote. Um, later on, he talks about um, the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote him now directly, quote, I will never like bitch about it or say, am I a starter? Am I a bench player? Am I playing this many, this many minutes or that much minutes? No, that's his decision. That's his job. And I don't really care about it. I'm putting my work in and everyone knows who I am. I think that's most important to close out games. Who starts? For me, that's not so important. End quote. So I would definitely recommend the entire piece from Amic. There's stuff, there's stuff in there about the Kings and the Buck situation and all of that stuff. I don't want to give it all away here because they obviously worked hard to get that. But it's uh, noteworthy to me that Bogdanovich says all the right things here. Obviously, you know, it's kind of common knowledge that most guys want to start, but I think, you know, the money is big enough there and I think he's probably all right with it so far. But uh, that was a notable quote that I wanted to at least pass along. And uh, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast regularly, you will know that I think starting lineups are overrated. Uh, Closing lineups are more important, how much guys play. Uh, Coming into Monday night, Bogdanovich was playing 27 and a half minutes a game off the bench. That's a lot of minutes off the bench. That's sixth man of the year kind of level deployment off the bench. He was going to play, obviously he played a little bit less last night because he got got hurt. But he's going to play plenty, even if he stays in this reserve role, which... I'm not saying he's going to stay in that reserve all, all year long. It would not surprise me at all if the Hawks change that up or if you get an injury, something like that. But I'll just say he's playing a lot, so I'm not really worried about that at the end of the day. He'll close games sometimes and uh, be a big factor on this team. So no worries there. Okay, to the game on Wednesday, the Hawks will host the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Charlotte is not necessarily a fantastic team. That is worth saying at the top here. Um, the Hornets... Uh, have lost three in a row by double digits. They were swept by Philadelphia in a back-to-back uh, sort of home-and-home home set. And then they lost by 15 at home to the Grizzlies, who were not great either. Um, by the way, this is a start of a two-game set of sorts against the Hornets, where the Hawks play the Hawks play the Hornets in Atlanta on Wednesday and then in Charlotte on Saturday. Also the longest break the Hawks have had so far since the season started. They will actually have two full days on Thursday and Friday in between contests, so that's noteworthy. Um, and after that, by the way, the schedule gets tougher. As I referenced before, they have that road trip coming to Phoenix, Utah, and Portland, but it's Philly at home next Monday, and then Phoenix, then Utah and Portland on the road, and then you come back home for MLK Day. So after playing some teams that the Hawks are better than and doing so at home, you're playing Philly, who has been red hot so far, and then a road trip against teams that the Hawks can certainly beat in Phoenix, Utah, and Portland, but Atlanta won't be favored in those games, most likely. So keep that in mind as they go there. 
Um, before we get into some notes that I made on the matchup, um, Sarah Spencer actually asked Lloyd Pierce about what to expect and what they're looking at in advance of these two games with Charlotte. So I will play you what Lloyd had to say about the Hornets. Uh, what have you seen out of Charlotte and how you guys might mash up with them? You know, they'll, they'll start with Biombo big. And, but after that, they, they're pretty versatile. Uh, PJ Washington and, and uh, Bridges, I believe is, are there four and five and, and, you know, both of them will play the five at some point as a small ball uh, unit. And so, you know, they play through the elbows. They play a lot of splits, off-ball movement, a lot of off-ball screens. Obviously, Gordon and Rogier and, and Graham are all three facilitators that can shoot and facilitate and uh, play in the pick and roll. Uh, I think they're extremely scrappy defensively. They're going to be a multiple effort team. They're going to fly around. I don't think they're as physical as Cleveland or New York, but I think they may be as, as uh, multi-effort. Uh, maybe even more than both of those teams. And so they'll present a different type of problem. Um, you know, we won't have to worry about Drummond and McGee and Robinson crashing with their length for rebounds, but we will worry about perimeters with athleticism uh, putting pressure on us for offensive rebounds. And so same problem, just presented in a completely different way. They run good stuff. They run a lot of movement. I think they're leading the league in assists. Uh, way up there. So they're going to be a multiple effort offensive team as well. And they're going to challenge us to have to work. So as for the Hornets there, you hear Pierce refer to them starting Biombo because Cody Zeller is the only injury the Hornets have. He's our starting center. Usually he's out for this game. The Hawks obviously have more injuries to deal with than the Hornets do, but Cleaning the glass, our friends over there have the Hornets as a bottom five offense, and they're also below average on defense. Um, at least they're probably closer to league average on defense, uh, but they're below average in all the four factors offensively. They do have an, a pretty high assist rate and have some good ball handling and some league average three point shooting as well. Has some good creators. You know, you, you have Terry Rozier who's shooting the ball really well early on. Gordon Hayward is a good player. Lamelo Ball is obviously very talented, still a rookie and showing some rookie flashes. Um, Devontae Graham has been brutal. He was awesome at times last season, but he's actually shooting 18.8% on two-point attempts. That's two-point attempts. He's a 6 of 32. That is excruciating. At any rate, they're better on defense than they are on offense. Uh, they are they are causing turnovers at a high level, by the way. A top-five turnover rate defensively. That's something to potentially monitor because the Hawks have turnover issues at times. And also, the Hornets are good um, at keeping t- teams off the free-throw line, which is uh, something to circle with Trey Young coming to town here, always facing the Hornets in their own building. Uh, again, as I said before, injury-wise, the Hornets are pretty clean for the Hawks. They have Rondo out, Gallinari out, Chris Dunn, Akongwu, and Snell. But other than that, it's just Bogdanovich, who is listed as probable with what the Hawks are calling right ankle stiffness. So there's that. Nothing to necessarily worry about there um, beyond the guys who we already knew to be out coming in. Um, the Hawks right now on Bet Online, according to our friends there at Bet AG, the Hawks are six and a half point favorites as I talk to you right now over the Hornets. A couple of the projection systems are in that same range, so the Hawks are expected to win this game. Now, obviously, they were the favorites on Saturday and the favorites on Monday. Nothing is given in the NBA. The Hawks are better than the Hornets, in my view. They're also playing at home. They should be pretty angry. You heard John Collins say that they were pissed off the other night. I totally get that, and I think we'll have an inspired effort out of the Hawks in this spot. But the Hornets are, you know, capable of winning, so we'll see what happens there. And I think that if the Hawks take a lead, um, it will be important that they figure out how to keep it in this game. So we'll have more on that game afterwards, obviously, on Wednesday, uh, as always on the podcast. If you're a new listener, this is a uh, sort of a midweek catch-up show that you're listening to right now. But our, our standard operating procedure is that I will have guests on every once in a while, but every single game I will have a podcast after the game, including two already this week, and that will be coming after the game on Wednesday. 
If you have questions for me on Twitter, you can find me at BT Rowan or find the show at Locked on Hawks. Please subscribe to the podcast as well. Uh, tell a friend, tell two friends, tell three friends, tell an enemy if you'd like to. Whatever you need to do to spread the word about the podcast, I appreciate all the support that we've been getting in the last couple of days, weeks, and months. And if nothing else, we will see you after the game on Wednesday.